We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Blue with Stu. I am your host, Stuart Douglas. With me today, Scout. You could find his work on the Steppy, and now you can find his work on Cerebro Sports. Zach Milner, what's going on, Zach? No, nothing much. Doing well. Glad to be on here. Yeah, you're out, you're out in L.A., right? Following some yeah. L.A. basketball? Yeah, out in L.A., um, on the West Coast always, so it's, it's fun over here. I like it. Yeah, you were we were talking right before we record uh about you travel around like i was saying that high school basketball in la is like one third of my basketball instagram now and it's wild and i know Bronny jr makes a big part of that but it's got to be exciting to watch like it's these these high school players are really really good yeah no i i think there was like a, a couple year period where like i didn't think high school basketball was looking that great and now it's looking better than ever right now it's, it's really crazy and then there's Three teams, Harvard, Westlake, Notre Dame, and Sierra Canyon, all in the same league with like multiple guys going to high major schools. So it's just going to be really, it's really fun to watch them all play against each other. And it's good competition as well. Yeah, it's nuts. I don't, where, where was I? I was in, oh, at the Y, the downtown Y in Indy. And this kid was in high school, maybe just graduated high school, like playing in our league. And he had a Sierra Canyon jersey on. Yeah, I was playing against him. He had a Sierra Canyon. I'm like, <laughs> What is what in the world is going on? Like, it's not like a retro high school jersey. Like, this is a current high schooler that's younger than you. You're wearing his jersey. It's a weird, weird world for sure. It's crazy. And like when Bronny was a freshman there, they had Zaire Williams, MBA now, Amari yeah. Bailey at UCLA, and Brandon Boster, who's an MBA, was at Kentucky also. So it's just seeing him go from a freshman to where he is now and then play with all these other players as well. It's just been really fun to watch. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to continue watching Bronny. I, I think he's really good, but we're here to talk Michigan basketball because what this all sparked was your kind of everybody's following really a Jet Howard, but how you broke it down on Cerebral Sports and really dove into the analytics of things. Um, 
you know, I want to talk about updates since that article. Like, I feel like his draft stocks exploded after the Iowa game. But I want to get into before we start analyzing everything and the numbers, kind of the metrics you're using and kind of how you're evaluating these players over six, seven or what you're kind of look at. And just a little bit of, you know, explaining like three point efficiency and that number, stuff like that. Right. So. For me, I always like to look at um, just shooting something that I've always liked, especially with bigger wings. Like in the past, I've written about Cam Johnson, Corey Kispert, and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, I think Jet has the size and he has like the shot prep, high release, able to shoot over contest where he's not really bothered by that stuff. So having those skills and being able to shoot at his size is always really impressive and intriguing for a prospect like from NBA terms. Yeah. But aside from that, you want to be able to do more, right? You want to be able to attack closeouts or find other ways to impact the game. Because if you get run off the three point line, how are you going to impact the game? Right. So just being able to show other ways you can impact the game. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say, so when I go on and look at these on, on Bartorvik, the website, you can look at queries there and you can go ahead and pretty much filter out certain things like you can go okay we want players over this height who've made this many threes and all that kind of stuff so i I use that sometimes to to play around and just see what players have similar statistics in that way i don't use it for like player comparisons because i don't think that's like the best way to go about it um but i do think it's interesting to to look at that kind of stuff at least like you mentioned it's cram right am i saying that right Yes, on Cerebro, yeah, that's that's their um, metric pretty much where they combine stuff. If you want, I can send you the link and you can put it in the description after so people can check out the glossary and it'll go yeah. more into depth there. But but yeah, um, CRAM and they have they have certain metrics as well where it's um, like three PE is three point efficiency. There's like four general skills for FGS or ATRs around the rim, but for three point efficiency, um, it takes into account a variety of things and compares it to players that are playing the same competition on the site mm-hmm. um but yeah it's really really um interesting stuff to look at for sure yeah so cram like if you you know why does that stand out for jet uh you know why why do you like that metric um and for for jet being you know high on that list or a part of a special group uh especially as a freshman you know evaluating kind of comparable players i know it's kind of a hit or miss game but cram i guess you know it's a it's a cumulative analytic um but you know why is that something you really like yeah so i I think it's good to see that especially when a fresh so you're pretty much comparing him across all of college basketball to every other player regardless of age um, or regardless of class so seeing him do what he's doing and be in one of the top uh, or top players in the country as a freshman is always impressive. I think that's like the simple answer there. Yeah. So yeah, basically I feel, feel like you and reading that article, you really matched up the eye test with the analytics and trying to analyze everything because, you know, so many games into a freshman season, you know, you mentioned uh, jets runners and especially like his one foot runners and floaters where it's like, all right, that's like, how do you evaluate 15 shots? It's basically impossible Exactly. And, and, and something with runners and floaters, sorry to cut you off for a second, but something no, yeah, with ahead. runners and floaters is like, I think that's a perfect example that you're bringing up like 15 floaters on the year is like such a small sample size. Like someone can go 10 for 15 on floaters, but the next year go like two for 15. It's such a small sample size. And I think um, that's something from like a year to year thing that varies a lot more than other kind of um, shot types, just because of how limited they are. So this is perfect because I like all guards 
one, two, and three on Michigan. They're all being evaluated basically for the first time. You got um, Doug McDaniel, freshman point guard. You got Cody Bufkin really just coming into offensive role for the first time, uh, even as a sophomore, and then Jed Howard, freshman. And, you know, Kobe Bufkin, we're not going to get into him too much. We'll, we'll talk about him a little at the end. And the same thing with Doug. Like, these guys are making the moves and they're getting to the spots and shooting the shot, and it looks right. Like, to me, I'm like, okay, that's the right play. And Doug has this floater where guys have been questioned. I'm like, nah, that that that's, that floater looks good. Whether it starts going in consistently is another thing. It probably will. Um, and it has a little bit. But, like, these guys are making the right moves. So, you know, it's fun to – evaluate these guys when their analytics look good um but that's the other part of the game right like you got to be able to evaluate like all right like it's 12 games does this guy could he have it in the future you know how much are teams looking at would you say you know like like a like a guy like jet if he kind of had the moves but was like three point percentage wise worse shooting let's say 37 percent and those floaters are just a little worse you know, would an NBA scout be like, all right, I think he has it? Or are these numbers really telling them a story and they're kind of they're they're biasing um their decision making a little bit? Do you think I know you're not in the rooms with everybody, but like Yeah, no, like, I, I think it works thing. both ways to an extent. I yeah. do think like so like the sell with him is him being such a great shooter at his size. So if the shot were to fall off a little bit, it definitely would hurt him. Yeah. Um, just because that is the main sell for him, even though he can do other things. So I, I would say it would hurt him a bit, but I do think that like if he were to show like more moves, and I think one of his his flaws, and we'll talk about it a little, is I think he has shown some moves, but he doesn't do a great job of getting all the way to the basket. I do think he has to settle for those floaters at times or shots a little bit away from the paint. So yeah. um if he were to able to get all the way to the basket um, more often and finish better, but maybe have like a little bit less three-point shots, like I, I'm people would still like him a lot, but I do think like the main sell for him is that he is shooting so well as a freshman at his size. Yeah, that makes sense. To the, to your, I wanted to ask you about him getting to the rim. I feel like the flip side of it is saying, okay, well in the NBA, like, you know, having that little in-between game is very useful and he's never going to be a guy like finishing at the rim massively but he is cerebral. I'm kind of thinking of like a Joe Ingles situation. Now comparisons are always like a crapshoot, but right. Joe Joe's slow as my mom, right? I mean, now Joe <laughs> Joe's thrown it down a couple of times. I love when Joe does. But, but he also loves those fakes. He is so like he has those pass yeah. fakes or like the little behind the back thing that he does, and and that's how he creates his separation. Yeah, and I see I'm seeing a lot of good decision making from Jet, and I'm curious. You never know how a guy's going to react to the spacing in NBA offensively. Uh, you know, guys. Games. I mean, I played against Joe Ingles in Israel and he was fine. Like he was okay. And then they put him in the corner and they weren't running the same, but like you put him in space and now he's fooling everybody with all that stuff. So the, you know, the game, your game can really change, but you know, do you think that I, I think it maybe tell me if I'm wrong. I think that's like an advantage to have those little runners. I mean, he keeps hitting these like right foot, right hand runners that are just not normal. And you're like, all right, that was a fluke. But then he keeps doing it. Yeah. So like, how do you it, evaluate a guy like that? It, it's definitely a good part to have in your game. Like yeah. the more parts of your game you have, I mean, it, it's never going to be a bad thing. There is just something to be said for like, there are players um, who, who do settle for runners instead of getting all the way to the rim. Yeah. And some players can't and sure. Like you can be good on runners, but there's still harder shots to make than at the rim. So it is yeah. going to be said there. Um, 
and you you want to get easy looks runners aren't the easiest shots even if you're good at it so you just want to find the ways to get the easiest look on the court and that's what you want to see with these players but yeah jet so far has been really good with runners on the season um he is 16 for 30 on, or no sorry he's 12 for 22 54.5 um on those i do think he was higher than that before he was 10 for 15 67 when i wrote about him a few weeks ago so since then um he is two for seven um but yeah like, like we just discussed a little bit like it's a small sample size so it's going to alter a lot throughout the season and honestly a full call season is probably still too small of a sample size yeah. to have the biggest idea from looking at the numbers and that's why you want the film and the numbers to match up and that's how you feel good about uh, an evaluation we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That kind of leads into my next question topic I want to discuss because Caleb Houston was a huge, huge point of emphasis for everybody last year uh, that loved Michigan basketball. I mean, he was constantly evaluated by fans, uh, you know, did not perform as well as people thought he would. And then they, uh, you know, people thought that him and Musa Diabate were going to come back and they both left, both got drafted. Caleb got drafted, what, early second round? is and he, he didn't have a super great season you know shooting wise but that hype and you know the, then if you go into a workout and you start shooting well so you know i had people i've talked with a lot of people and are trying to like listen to the chatter on twitter and stuff like that and people thinking you know maybe jet is going to be two years and done maybe late first who knows but w even when you're that tall and you show these flashes at least of being able to shoot and you can stay uh, in the high 30s at least, like teams are salivating at that, right? Yeah. Um, and, and it does help for players who were ranked higher coming into college. It's just tougher for like when yeah. you struggle. It takes people longer to be like, okay, maybe he isn't that good sure. as a prospect anymore or they can look at it. and like with with caleb houston even though he had some struggles last year like if you take away his off the dribble shots he still shot uh 38.7 percent from three on just catch and shoot which is still a good number so like yeah. looking and, and i'll talk about that with you a little bit as well but like looking deeper into percentages of like okay how are they on catch and shoot threes how are they on off the dribble threes and all that kind of stuff i think is also uh valuable when looking at players but to go back to what you were saying yeah um just just these these shooters with size is is so valuable and and intriguing for for these teams how do you would evaluate him taking the brunt of usage since Jalen Llewellyn went down 
And especially in the last two games. I mean, when you wrote that, I think the next two games were duds for Jet. That happens. You know, there's fluctuations in gameplay. Yeah. Uh, it was funny timing <laughs> when that happened. <laughs> yeah, but, it happens. That would happen. Yeah. He bounced back with that Iowa game, you know, probably another outlier, not saying he can't do it, but it's on the high end uh, of the spectrum. But, you know, he's really taken on the responsibility and he's proven that he can score at many different levels. Um, I'm curious what you think of him kind of being a focus of the offense, much different than a Caleb Houston was. And, you know, how he can translate into the NBA with those dribble handoffs, with some ball screen stuff, uh, with his decision-making. I mean, that bodes well for him, right? That he is taking control of this offense and that the, this offense is that running at a, a good pace, even without Hunter scoring. I think that's what's most impressive is now he's showing like, oh yeah, these, this kid can do it even without Hunter being a focus, barely even posting up and getting shots, but still focused. But yeah. Yeah, and I think like the Iowa game a little bit, they were able to like get out and run and transition more when Hunter was on the bench. And that sort of like had them go on a little bit of a run during that stretch as well. But, but to go what you were saying, I, I do think it is a it's promising. What I, what I wrote in my piece is I, I do think that he's still probably ideal in an off ball role just from what we've seen so far. Yeah. But over the last six, seven, eight, maybe even 10 games, he has been getting more on ball reps and he has been doing a really good job with that. I still think when you look at it to the next level NBA, there'll be better athletes and more length and all that stuff. So like his inability to get all the way to the rim will be even tougher. So like maybe him being the primary ball handler isn't going to be a thing, but if you can keep running him off staggers and pin downs and DHOs and maybe just some on ball screens, pick and roll as well and help have him get um, advantages that way. I think there's definitely a, a possibility for that. And one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the year, because they are making him a more of a focal point of the offense is how is he going to adjust to defensive scouting report and yeah. um, the passing and, and how the passing looks the rest of the way, because I think that Northwestern game, his shooting gravity showed on that one play in like the corner, I think, and he just dumped it off the dunker's ball and they got an easy look, but yep. you see in the IO game didn't have any assist, but you're not going to criticize him too much for that because he, he couldn't miss a shot for the first half of the game. So yeah. just seeing how defenses start to adjust to him now that he's getting the opportunity to do more and then how he adjusts to that will be very interesting in the second half of the season. Yeah, it was it was fun to watch him get seven assists against Northwestern and still put up a decent um, scoring output and be able to adjust like, all right, I'm going to get more attention here and I'm going to find open guys. I mean, I was impressed with him from the get-go just being able to make certain reads like as a freshman, it's tough. Uh, the nerves, like the, the pace of the game. I mean, he plays slow isn't the right word, but pretty much at his own pace um, from the get go. And I think he's getting more comfortable with that, but yeah, that passing, I mean, is it's, it's hard to explain like him making certain reads and how difficult it is. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he, how he can build off that consistently, but you know, that offense, I think, is there. I, I Before we get into the defense, I want to ask you this, actually, because defense can be a big focal point for Jet and how he's evaluated on film. But, you know, a guy, you know, I, I had these conversations a million times with friends, with random people, like, is this guy an NBA player? And it's like, okay, is Trace Jackson Davis going to be an NBA player if he wants to be like the man? Probably not. Like, but if he wants to be like a really good role man and work on the defensive end, start that way and then develop for sure. There's only like a certain amount of guys that get some leeway. I feel like to like really develop into the man. I mean, every situation is different, but do you see a guy like jet 
one, where do you see him going? Now, that's, that's a tough question, but let's say it kind of ends around what he's this production right now in the year. And then do you see like teams looking at him as, all right, we're going to, we're going to see if he can handle some load and like really develop offensively or, or like, we're just going to like bank on him being a six, seven shooter and then teach him how to play defense. Right. So I think where he ends up, I think he'll be a lottery pick. Um, how high in the lottery, I still will think it just depends on how someone views his defense. Honestly, I do think like if someone's optimistic about the defense, you can make a case for as high as five, six or seven. But if you're not optimistic about the defense, I think more in the like the eight to 14, eight to 15 range makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with the talk about how a team will use him, I do think that for his development, it's tough. I, I don't I don't think it's smart yeah. to give him all these reps right away either. I think it's smart to to ease into it, let him get his confidence in the NBA as well. And and yeah. maybe if he if he plays this well, like now that he's handling the ball more the rest of the year, then maybe that will change my opinion. But right now I think it's better to just use him off the ball more often and still run him through some pin downs and staggers and maybe a DHO here and there. And then over time give him more DHOs, maybe get him some pick and rolls. And maybe that will happen just because of his performance, or maybe you see an injury happen that will force him out. Ha- like with Franz uh, uh last year, pretty much, right? Yeah. Or yeah, last year he didn't have the role he has now right from the jump, but they dealt with so much injuries that he was sort of like Jalen Suggs got hurt and all that. They dealt with so much injuries that he was sort of forced to have to handle the ball more often. And he succeeded a lot while doing it. But sometimes it's not like and the teams plan to do it right away. And just it happens because of who's available to play. Um but yeah, I, I think ideally you probably do let him get more comfortable with the NBA speed and the length and all that kind of stuff early on and just get him comfortable in the off-ball role. And then um, over time, you can get him more on-ball reps. And obviously this can change of where he gets drafted, obviously, like to what yeah. team are they are they trying to win? Are they not trying to win? Like yeah. if they're not trying to win, then maybe like, okay, half the game you have him playing in an off-ball role, half the game you give him some on-ball, on-ball reps. So it, it all just depends on where he goes as well. It's an amazing conversation I've had countless, countless times. And even with guys who like know basketball and play basketball, been like it within the system of like trying to make the NBA or go overseas. And like, do you think the guy's going to make it in the NBA? And I'm like, I don't know. There's so many factors that de- that it depends on. Like, it could be like the city or like how close he is to a family or just like, the, let alone the team situation or a, a girlfriend. You know, like it, there's so many factors that like all combine into one thing that like making it is. I don't know. It's a crapshoot. But and, and I've said this before to where like there are so many role players in the NBA that um, have gotten success because they're put in the right position to succeed. And if they were put in different positions, they might not still be NBA players. And you could find oh, yeah. players in Europe who probably would be NBA players if they're put in the right spot. And I think a good example of this is DeAnthony Milton, honestly, because he got traded two times before even becoming a good player in Memphis. Like he was with Houston. They traded him before the season even started to Phoenix. And then Phoenix tried to using him as a point guard, which did not work out well at all. Then they trade him to Memphis and Memphis puts him more on the off ball role and lets him do his stuff on defense. And now look at him and from Memphis to Philly and he succeeded now in two different spots. So if it didn't work out in Memphis, who knows if he would have gotten another chance. He's obviously a really, really good player, but it just goes to show um, sometimes you just got to put a player in a position to succeed and that will do it for them. Yep, it's huge. And, I, and it's fun to watch the NBA within the last 10 years develop more into that where guys will get chances or, you know, like I feel like Steph started it out where 
you know, Mark Jackson let him go, but then like Curry even let him go even further. And you're like, oh, we have to like let guys do crazy shit and make mistakes and then they'll find their way. Like Jordan Poole would have never happened as a first round pick and then like a de- development spot. I know it's the Warriors, so they don't exactly need players right away. But I mean, talk about situation. Jordan's a great player, but I just it's fun to watch players be able to get into these roles and develop. And it gives me hope for guys like Jet. Um, another guy's on Michigan, like you got to give him time, right? You got, mm-hmm. you got to give him time. That's the tough part. Exactly. And, and going to Jordan Poole for a second, like I, I really loved watching him in Michigan. I thought he was pretty underrated right before he went to the draft. And I think that sort of goes because he did have some inconsistent shooting earlier on in that season, but I thought he ended the season very well. And then you see his rookie season with Golden State and he struggled a lot. But if you just look at that and like he, there was no way he was like a 27%, 28% shooter from three, just after right. what you've seen in college. Like it was going to come around to what extent, who knows, but it was going to come around at least a little better. So it's been cool to see that they stuck with him. They were sort of had to use some stuff when Clay was hurt. Uh, when he was out, they sort of needed him to step up, but he was yep. able to step up and that was great to see. Yeah. Now he's an NBA champion. It's, it's, it's wild, wild world. Uh, I mean, he deserves it, but it's just crazy to think about like people talking shit about him being a first round pick and now he's helping win the war, helping the Warriors win a championship. So it's when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fun. Another one that comes to mind is like Duncan Robinson in the heat and his interview where he talked about them punishing him for not shooting and being like, yeah, dude, we see it. Like we're going to develop you now into the shooter. And then he had what one of, if not the best three point shooting season in NBA history. So yeah, it's um, yeah. It, development is the name of the game. And I think Beeline did a really good job of that with guys, or at least, finding guys who would develop and then, you know, they even take a step further when they get to like their job is development. So it's cool to see. I, I do want to get into Jets defensive stuff and kind of what you see, because offensive stuff is so great and it's blossoming and the defensive side of the ball is still learning so much. Um, and there's a give and take here. I want to kind of preface it where, you know, I watched Trey his freshman year played alongside him and his offense was amazing. I mean, he was just an unbelievable poised, skilled, talented freshman with the ball in his hands. I mean, I've never seen confidence like that before with somebody so young. And then the defensive side of the ball, we we're like, ah, whatever. Like, we'll make up for the rest, and, and we don't really care. And so I'm going to give Jet the benefit of the doubt there a little bit and him shouldering a lot of offensive responsibility now. But I do see a lot of issues with, you know, some help side stuff, uh, some anticipation things, maybe some on-ball stuff. Um, what, what are your – what are your key takeaways, positive and negative for Jet? Yeah, so overall, I am pretty skeptical and underwhelmed with the defense, but I do think there are like some positive takeaways. Well, I think his best skill um, is recovering, which to be fair is probably not the best skill to have because he's sometimes the reason he has to recover in the first place, whether right. it's losing his man off the ball and having to recover or coming off a screen wide or getting hit by a screen or just getting beat by half a step. Um, but he he's able to use his size and his length to recover and block shots from behind, which is really, really good. Um, and then also another positive is just, just having that kind of size um, 
it's just valuable to have. And you could see it with certain NBA teams, just having that kind of size to defend other wings. So players yeah. can't easily shoot over you is valuable. Now, when you're trying to build a championship team, that's a pretty low bar. It's probably not going to cut it, but just for teams in general, like there, there are teams who just need more wing size and, and that's the value that he has. Um, but on the other side, like you mentioned, I do think that he can get lost on defense or he's slow to react to, to off ball moving where he won't, dig or stunt to the ball at times or he won't make a rotation when he's supposed to be making a rotation he sometimes positions himself too close to his man um or he's mm-hmm. it makes him late to rotate after that so there are some um negatives as well but yeah i think those are the the overall positives and negatives but i do think that i'm, I'm still like underwhelmed and skeptical on the whole how much are teams Looking at a guy where, you know, defense isn't looking great on film. And then they say, all right, we'll figure that part out. And, you know, does it come down to like, I know you're not in the front office, but, you know, guys' willingness is huge. I feel like, you know, is how much of a pass is that going to get? I mean, you mentioned it before where if, if they don't care, it's five or six in the draft, or it could be eight or 14 if they really do care. I mean, but it's not going to pull him out of the lottery. As long as he continues to like have the same kind of offense. Yeah. I don't think it should. Um, if his offense takes a dip, then obviously like, so like the offense right now is outweighing the defense. If yeah. that becomes to where it doesn't, then you have a question, but yeah, if the offense stays to this level, or even if it regresses a little bit, um, I still think he'll like the defense won't make him fall back too far. But yeah, I think there's something to be said for, um, being like trying to project improvement. And I think somewhere where he can improve is um, just using like getting stronger and using his strength better. I think there are times, and I think you saw it against Chris Murray where Chris Murray was able to just go through him at times and score at the rim. And if you are going to make the case that, okay, Jet has the wing size that you want, you want him to be able to have the strength to go along with his size. So yeah, it's hard for players to shoot over him right now, but they might be able to drive through him right now. So if, if, if he can improve that, that's one area. And maybe a team has faith in their strength and development, strength and conditioning stuff to where, okay, we can work on this with him and we're willing to take a chance there. Um, and then the rest with him is they'll look at, okay, do, do they think he has potential moving his feet better to, to stop drives? Something that he does a lot is he tries to defend with his hands a lot. And mm-hmm. then that gets him in foul trouble at times, or there, there are times where refs don't even call it, but you can still see it's a, pretty clear foul where he's just pretty much pushing players off their spot. Um, But also I want to see just better awareness overall. I think that I wouldn't say his defensive flaws are just being lazy and not being willing to defend. I think it's more just being slow to react to stuff and not having the best feel. So I want to see more flashes there and just him show a little bit more there. Um, But I did say, I do think the last 10 games or so are better than the first four or five games on defense, even if it's still been underwhelming. I do think we've seen improvement. So if we just see more improvement from now to the end of the year, I think that will bode well for how teams view his defense as well. Just keep on showing improvement. Yeah, there's a clip. I can't remember what game it was. Maybe Penn State. Um, They got completely out-rebounded by Central Michigan of all teams. Not a big team. And then Penn State game, a couple games later, there was a clip. He was guarding the opposite wing. The ball was on the left or the right um, wing, and he was guarding the opposite corner, and he checked the roll man for a box out as a 3-1 up, and then he went back to his man and boxed out, and I was like, okay, he's that's a, that's a huge improvement from the beginning. That's tough for any freshman to do because 
confidence is key on those on, on all defense. Like you your head could be spinning. Even if you're like really great on offense, your head could just be spinning on defense. Like I know I'm supposed to be doing something. It's yeah. test time and I can't remember what the answers are. It's it's nerve wracking. So him getting there, like I've said about the entire Michigan team, they're so young at the guard and wing spots. Like as long as you're showing improvement, I think, you know, that that's huge in and of itself. So yeah. and that play fair. compared to that play compared to the pit game where they had that baseline out of bounds where he's like, I think he just had like two fouls in like a minute or something against Pitt in the beginning of the second half. He talks with his dad on the sideline, goes back to the baseline out of bounds. He's just staring forward with the out of bounds behind him cross court pass right to the corner. He fouls someone on a three and he had like three fouls in like a minute and a half or something went right to the yeah. bench, I think after that, but like just seeing the improvement from that to where he is now, still think he does get lost here and there, but um, it's definitely, there's definitely been progress on that end. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I would shout out our strength coach, John Sanderson saying, man, if he had more time with him, I know, I think with any tall guy, see with Hunter, you like, you get you get tired. You start getting hunched over, right? Your shoulders go over, your arms go down, and you're you, they six seven guys become six two, and you know a lot of that is like hip strength and hip and you know, muscle endurance and all that stuff. And I know uh, Sanderson wish he could come back so he could work with them on that, but he'll get there. I, I got faith in him. Um, overall, fans need to I think kiss him goodbye. I think yeah, they, I, were, I they were hoping very... that he was going to kind of meddle a little bit, but no, he, he's gone. Yeah, I find it very, very unlikely that he'll be back. Um, and if he's back, it's not for good reason. Like, if he's back, it's not a good reason that he's back. So, uh, yeah, he he should be gone. Yeah, maybe they'll get that Michigan football, uh, what was it, GoFundMe. They just started that NLI, like, <laughs> crowdsourcing for football players to stay one more year. And so I'm like, someone needs to get on the Michigan train there because that would be – I mean, think about – him and Hunter returning and then Doug and Kobe developing. You got Terrence getting even more, um, even older, more experienced as a captain. Like that team would be ridiculous. Right. So that, yeah, would, be that, that would be fun. But yeah, unfortunately um, for Michigan fans, but fortunately for Jet, he'll probably be making nice money in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be good for him. It'll be real good for him. Speaking of Kobe and Hunter, uh, you said you watched a little bit of them. We don't have to go too far in depth, but they've, Obviously, Hunter, the talk of him going to the NBA has been there since, like, his first game, uh, you know, when he blew up. Um, Kobe's really developed into an interesting talent, former McDonald's All-American. You know, either one, whatever you want to start with. What, what do you see from them? Actually, let's start with Hunter. What, what do you see from him and his possibility? Um, it's been an interesting conversation around him. And, and I know he's tested the waters and he's come back and it's like, well, is the money in college? Is it? Was that prospect really bad from he got from the evaluation from the NBA? You know, what do you see from him that would either make him leave this year or make him come back for next year? So for his decision this year, I think it's tough with with players like him. And and you could see like Drew Timmy for Gonzaga and stuff like if there wasn't yeah. NIL, I think players would be leaving more often um, just because there's not much they can do. And they probably get, even if it's not like a draft pick, they get like a two-way contract or some kind of contract where they can make money. I do think having NIL now does allow players to stay in college more and just sometimes even get more money in college than they would in the NBA. Or if yeah. not, just like just nice money to improve your draft stock while you wait. Um, overall, I've actually been a little underwhelmed with his play this year, like compared to what I expected. Um, 
and not even just in terms of like NBA standards, but I felt like he could be more dominant just from college basketball standards this year. Um, I will say like that he has some nice passes. I think that playing out of him at times is, is really nice. Um, he's been able to last year and this year, he is showing he can shoot threes a little bit more often. So continuing to do that is good for him as well. Mm-hmm. But I think it mostly just comes down to uh, can he improve and on defense and will he be a liability on that end? Um, Cause the offense is good passing is solid three point shot. There's potential there, but if he's not going to be able to hold his own defensively um, it's going to be tough. And I do think it does speak to a little bit of like Michigan's success of like, you have jet who's been really good as a freshman. You have Kobe Bufkin who's improved a good amount and you have Hunter Dickinson who's supposed to be one of the best bigs in college basketball. And they did struggle a little bit in non-conference play to where like, where is that? Like where, where should the blame go? And uh, you would, I think expect with, with those three players to have a little bit of a better record, um, honestly, but yeah, I do think he's still an int- intriguing guy um, who will at least get looks, if if not like a draft pick as a, a two-way guy or at least a summer league. And if not, then he'll, he'll make some nice money overseas. But um, yeah, I think in terms of coming back to school or not, it just probably comes down to NIL stuff versus the yeah. feedback he gets in the NBA. And maybe he finishes the year off really strong or has a, a really nice march or something like that where he's able to get himself stuff. But like there are players who can get a second round pick who think that they just won't get more money going back to school or they want to finish out their, their, their college. Like he only has one more year of college anyways. He might just want to go back and finish it. So he's yeah. someone that's tough to predict. I feel like with, with his intentions. Yeah. Yeah. It's real tough. Um, he, I feel like fair unfair is looked at to dominate. I'm like, we need him to dominate if we're going to, you know, scout him and look at him as an NBA player. And then the last two games, like these double teams, they've been sending him at 17 feet and they're sending double teams. Uh, You know, he can't get more than 10 shots a game in the last two games. And now some of that is scheming that I think they need to be better at uh, posting him up in the middle of the court, just kind of different ways they can have him score. I think their entry entry passes are pretty bad also, to be honest. I think they don't... They haven't found him super well. I think he's yeah. done a pretty good job of getting position. Um, I think he's now looking for the double team instead of like going right away, which is fair because they've been sending it all the time. And when they don't, it's a surprise. So I'm, uh, I am still waiting for him to like dominate. I think his confidence, which oddly enough is not as high as it was last year, even the year before. Maybe freshman year was ignorance is bliss a little bit. Uh, last year, you know. I, I thought last year he was like one of the best passing college big men I've ever seen in my entire life. Like just crazy passes. I think he's shown some flashes there, but this team has been an adjustment for him. Zach, it's been crazy watching this team. Like with the talent I've talked all year, like the talent, you see it, it's there, but the up and down consistency plus the defense has just been not great. Exactly. So it's been like a constant battle. I can only imagine with, with the coaching staff was like, well, we got to play these kids because they're talented and it's what we got. And then it was like, we got to teach them defense, but then they got to let them play on offense. So it's like a constant balance. It's been funny to watch this team and try and scout them from like a wins loss standpoint. It's like, good luck trying to figure it out a little bit. But um, I want to ask you about Kobe. He is a type of guy I mentioned earlier where, I mean, he's so smooth. His fluidity is like, is so nice. It, it, especially if you were getting him in like the open court of an NBA, I think it'd be even more fluid and, and athletic. He's making the right plays. Like, I don't mind his pull-ups, and I think he's shooting them in a decent clip when he's on. Um, but, you know, even when he's missing, I feel like he looks like an NBA player, like a guy who can play in the NBA, but maybe 
the numbers are off. Like the shooting just hasn't quite been there. I don't know what your thoughts are kind of evaluating the eye versus analytics. Yeah, I, I think with him, um, it will most likely come down to the shot with him, whether he gets the NBA chance or not. I do think there's a lot to like with him. Um, the defense is fun. I, I do think there are times where he gets lost on defense, though, honestly. But like overall, I think his defense is a lot of fun. He's had some really impressive passes this year that have like really stood out to me that I wasn't expecting to see from him at times. Um, yeah. So like seeing that, I like you said, I think the the mid range pull ups have been solid won't feel like it's anything that's great or anything but they've been good and maybe that like is what can give you some hope for his three-point shot um improving but yeah the, the three-point shots already improved from last year free throws have improved from last year he's a good finisher around the basket if i think if he can just continue to continue to improve his shot um he has he has a chance at getting a chance in the nba whether he succeeds or not i think it's still up in the air but yeah, if he just continues to work on his game, he's he's definitely a prospect, I'd say. It's just uh, how good of a prospect will be up to if if his shot develops fully or not. But um, he, he's going to continue to improve as a college guard and, and just be really, really important for Michigan. Yeah, he's he's fun because you can see him learning the game while still like having, having like 20-point games here and there. 20 points, four assists, four rebounds, two steals, and being a huge reason why they've stayed in games or won games and – his aggressiveness to the basket. I mean, he's far and away the most aggressive um, driver to the basket that Michigan has, and he creates a lot of offense, a lot of hockey assists from there. So, uh, you know, next year, I'm excited for the Doug Kobe backcourt, to say the least. I think they're going to D- be Doug's a lot of fun. fun. Doug's yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> so fun. And, like, together, like, when they get more confidence on both ends of the court, they can really pester guys. Like, I think Michigan's an intriguing matchup. They start to becoming more and more intriguing matchup for teams because the other team has to guard – Three guys like even if Doug's off, like he's gonna still gonna be aggressive, right? He's gonna go five for fifteen because you're gonna give it to him. So top to bottom, one through three at the Garden Wing spot, like you got to be ready for these guys. So that that's that's a lot of fun to watch. Um, and it'll be interesting next year, like if Hunter does come back and Jet's gone, but you have you have Kobe and Doug who have get another year under their belt. Yep. Um, you could try find like a, a nice wing who can bring an offensive punch, but probably not be as much of a liability on defense. Um, obviously those are, those are tough to find, um, yeah. but you bring that in and then you still have Hunter on, on defense. That, that could be a really, really fun team to watch next year. Obviously I don't think you'll be able to, to find someone who can do what jet does on offense that easily. But if you could just find someone who can spot up and hit threes while um, provide value on defense, it might be able to, they might be able to, to find some success that way as well and have a little bit of a better defense. Yeah, Juwan showed his willingness to search the portal for that. Um, you don't, you don't, never know who's going to step up on your own roster. So it's always TBD. But predicting that is a crapshoot. So the, the, the portal is so interesting now, also because you're able. It's it's coaches are able to find better players in the portal without having them sit out than freshmen now, right? So yeah. like a couple of years ago, I think his eligibility was up in the air. But you get Trey Murphy go from Rice to Virginia, um, who was really good at Virginia, and now he's in the NBA, obviously, but like those kind of, and then you have Terrence Shannon Jr. this year, who's in the portal. So just finding, finding these kinds of players in the portal um, just to, to fill in on the wing could be really intriguing for Michigan next year. I, I think the wing spot is the most intriguing spot to fill in. I mean, the talk with Michigan has obviously been filling in at the point guard spot. Um, and I don't think he's had anybody return for a point. I mean, fingers crossed that Doug comes back as a starting right. point guard next year. You just never know what's going to happen after Frankie Collins left last year. But, you know, 
it's I feel like it's much easier to be like, all right, we have our one and two and our ball handlers and scores and like let's plug and play a three and D a little bit. That's much easier. <laughs> That's why they're a hot commodity in the NBA. You know, they like rotate a lot more. You see like Struess now replacing Duncan Robinson in Miami. Like those guys are kind of plug and play a little bit. So I'm I'm interested to see if he's be able to find that. I think he should be able to with his track record and uh, willingness to play those guys. So it, it'll be it'll be fun to see what happens. But I want to ask a few more questions before we get out of here. Um, overall, like how you look at it, like offense, you know, when you're in, when you're scouting a guy and you're kind of you know writing a report on them, you can kind of back up your eye test with your analytics on the offensive side of things. And you can a little bit defensively if you're doing some box score plus minus a little bit and some, maybe some steal rate or whatever the case may be. Some guys really love steal rate. I don't know how you feel about it. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, like guy like, you know, when when you're evaluating it, it's kind of you're like writing a report. It's basically kind of all feel right. Like you kind of have to trust me when I say that this guy is a good defender or not a good defender a little bit or like or like go watch the film yourself. So it's a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. You, there's not really good defensive numbers, honestly, to look at. Um, like like there is some use for steel and block rate, but I, I don't like go by those by hard. Like I just it's all film watching for me on the defensive end. I think that. Luckily, with just having synergy, it's easy for me to watch all this stuff. And I don't think synergy has good numbers either, but you can go and like get an idea for how someone moves in the perimeter by just go watching their isolation possessions or go watching how they move around screens by go watching them defend the pick and roll altogether. But for getting like off ball defensive stuff, you have to watch full games pretty much because there's no there's no other ways that you're going to to find if someone can get lost on defense or if they're making the right rotations um, from from numbers or just from from synergy clips either. You have to just watch multiple games um and, and get a feel for yeah. defense so it's it's tough um to to know like hundreds of players defense it's crazy because there's, there's there's only so much time you have but it's the only way to really have a good feel for defense is just to watch as much film as you can yep yep that is that that, that was the beeline way we would have <laughs> he would have been an amazing nba scout from that from a, just a defense scout from that standpoint but i'm curious uh Moving on to other teams, you know, we don't want to go through the whole draft, but in the Big Ten, who who are you excited about as a prospect uh, for the next level? So I think in the Big Ten, there there are a few, like there, there's Terrence Shannon Jr., there's Chris Murray, but I, I've yeah. really, uh, I think Bryce Sensabaugh is another, we can go for him for He's a nice. freshman to talk about, um, just another freshman who's who's played really well this year so far. He's just confident. Like, they just give him the reins. I don't know what it is about some guys. Was was he not high ranked coming in? Am I crazy? He he was. We blew um, late. Yeah, he he wasn't like a top twenty guy or anything, but he was, I think, top fifty. I, I don't don't quote me on that fully, but I think he he still was up there. Um, and then the kid last year for Ohio State, right? Am I who was that? Oh, oh, Malachi Brandon. Yeah, he blew. Yeah. He, he he blew up later in the season as well. Um, yeah, they uh, they, I don't know what they're doing at Ohio State. They're putting <laughs> the water for the wings, but yeah, Sensible is a, an exciting matchup. How do you see him? I mean, this is such a BS question. The Jet Bryce matchup, like, what do you see? Like, how how are they kind of compare? Do you think that um, they would go head to head? Like, where, where who do you think has an advantage if they were to guard each other? Um, yeah. I haven't watched enough sensible. Yeah, I, I think well, they both are pretty rough on defense. Just, <laughs> so that's, they're putting up. Yeah, um, I do think um, it'd be interesting to see how Jet defends him though on the ball because 
Bryce loves to get to his spots in the mid-range and shoot over players, which he won't be able to shoot over Jet. But he also does a really good job of using his body to create space and like fade away and shoot over players to where like even against bigger players, he finds the way to create space. And even like even if you contest a shot in the mid range, he just does a really good job of making it. So it could be good defense and he still makes it. It doesn't matter. Um, And like I said, Jet doesn't do a great job of using his strength. So I would be interested to see how that goes. I don't think um, Bryce will be able to drive by him much because one of Bryce's flaws is he doesn't get to the rim much himself either. Mm. Um, but he's really, really good in the mid range and he still gets to his, he gets to his mid range spots, but um doesn't get all the way to the rim. And they're both good shooters. I think Bryce would also struggle defending jet. Um, I, I would say jet's a better defender than Bryce, which is not saying uh, too much. It is a sure. low, it's a low bar for both of them, but yeah, I, I would be very interested to see Jet defend Bryce more than the other way. Gotcha. Where, where's uh, where's Sensible on your on your board? I haven't looked at at any prospects for him. I'd say so. I haven't made a full one myself yet. I, I sort of played around with one, but I've like left a few people off and everything. But I think I could like I would consider myself taking him in like the fifteen to twenty five range. Like I, I can go as high as fifteen right now. Um, if the defense improves maybe a little bit higher or if the shot regresses to where he's not making like 60% of his mid range twos, which is, which is a ridiculous number. Like yeah. he's, he's looking like, I don't want to do a comparison, but like he's being an elite mid range shot maker right now, like how DeRozan or CJ McCollum and those guys are. And it's, he's nothing like, I mean, not nothing right. like them, but like, that's what he's been able to do in college so far, which is really, really cool. If that regresses though, then maybe he drops a little bit, but he he's had a really, really good start to his freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that game for that game and that matchup real quick, Chris Murray, where's he at on your board? Cause he's a, such an interesting prospect. This kid plays with so much confidence and poise, like almost seemingly out of nowhere. And I can't get a read on him. Yeah, I'd say probably similar range, maybe like 15 to 30. Um, he's someone that I'm still trying to figure out fully as well to where like how high I want to get with him. I yep. think I have a better I have a better feel for Bryce and Terrence Shannon Jr. than I do with Chris right now. Um, but I, I do like Chris. He's had like that breakout that Keegan had last year. And it's funny because they do have like they do have similarities in their game. But I think Chris Murray has a better first step and he's a better hmm. he's more quicker on his drives. But but Keegan was able to bully through players and he was still such a great finisher. Um, both are really good shooters. I think while Keegan was used off of like had some off movement of shots, I think Chris is being moved being used off of screens more and showing that a little bit more. So it's, it's really fun to just watch them back to back years just blow up like they have. Um it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's annoying for other people. But yeah. Yeah. Um it's cool. Yeah, he, he's been good. And then I guess we can go to Terrence Shannon Jr. as well. Um where I I really enjoy watching him play. I think his shot is something that I've tried to keep an eye on throughout his college career when he was at Texas Tech and now. Um last year he shot well. He started off shooting the well shooting the ball well this year he's been in a pretty i wouldn't know i would not even know if i would call it a slump right now he's just struggled shooting recently mm-hmm. um but when he gets the ball out in transition he is so quick he's probably one of the quickest players when he gets out running in transition where it's so fun to watch um and i think he's improved driving right um his passing looks all right has the size to defend wings as well yeah. he's someone that i think that makes sense in the back end of the first round um the 20 to 30 range maybe 25 to 30 um but obviously the shot needs to, to come back around for him. 
How much do you think Moxie and poise? Because like I think Shannon is like a lot of poise. I just watched him play and I just like how he moves and operates in the court and how his, his demeanor. Like, how much does that bias you? How much does that play a factor in how you like a guy or evaluate a guy? Like some guys are frantic, but they're playing well. Like, I think you understand what I'm saying. Like, how, how does that yeah. affect you? I think you have to try your best and not let it affect you. Obviously, like yeah. people will have their their biases or or they'll have like oh i people can like a player like like watching a player just like watching a player but still realizing they're a good or bad prospect right so you can be like oh i like watching him but he's not that good or i don't like watching him but he's really good so having to separate that is what you have to do when you're a scout and an evaluator um but at the same time like having poise that's really important and and talking to coaches and getting how getting an idea of how their mind works and how they handle certain situations is important and knowing how they, their work ethic for how you want to project into the next level as well. So there is stuff that you still have to take note of for sure. Yeah. If I get it like implanted jets, just kind of zero thinking confidence, just do it mentality and put that in Caleb Houston's brain. It would have been a wholly different year <laughs> last year. I think it would have been closer to the lottery, but uh, last question before I get you out of here. I'm curious as a scout, uh, I, I always come back to how I thought that Brad Beal was never going to be successful in the NBA and that and that I actually and that I loved Zach Levine. So I go both ways. But like who's your uh your your best prediction you ever made, your kind of diamond in the rough, and then something you really just just flubbed on? Okay. So that, that's a good question. Recently, I'll, I'll go more recent. Yeah. Um more recent, I think. I want to say Cam Johnston as one guy because when I, like I wrote about him like I did about Jet, but this was mm. four years ago now, I think it was. Um, but I wrote about him when he was projected to be like a mid-second round guy. He ended up going in the lottery still, so it doesn't like it doesn't like hit the same. Um, but he's someone that I liked right away. But I, I guess Najee Marshall is someone who I, I liked. I thought he had first round talent he ended up going undrafted and it's not like he's had some crazy career already but he's had success as an undrafted player and recently he's been able to to step into the pelicans lineup and have success there as well and he's someone even his rookie year like he has had good stretches and he falls out of the lineup again and comes back in and out so whether yeah. he sticks in the league or not i think it's still up in the air but he is someone that i i really enjoyed and i'm like to see him succeed so far um i think he's definitely like he's definitely provided value for being an undrafted guy already um as for a miss that's tough i i will say um i don't know it's tough because i was really high on grant riller um at college of charleston okay but, but like i was i was high on him but he's also someone that was more of like a okay a second round flyer or an undrafted guy who like i would have loved like i i viewed him as a top 30 guy in the class but like i would have never wasted not wasted but used like a top 20 pick on him because i knew it wouldn't have taken that right i would have always like okay i'll trade back and get him later on um he's someone who has also dealt with a lot of injuries he's i think he's had three injuries since entering the draft as well and he's never looked the same athletically um this year he's actually been killing it in the g league he's had like multiple 30 point games so it's been great to see but but i think like the archetype as a whole smaller guards i i've always enjoyed watching them and i still think that they can be really really good but they just have so much less margin for error because they are mostly relying on tough shot making that they're tough shot making isn't really falling then what are they really bringing to the floor because they're always going to not always but most likely going to be a negative on defense when they don't have the size and um 
just being a good passer isn't enough most of the time. Yeah. So they have a lot less room for error, but if they do hit, they can still be really, really good. So I think that, and like, I like Shamori Pons as well. Um, but like, these weren't like top 20 guys. I think, I think Jarrett Culver is someone, I guess I can, I can say that I was pretty high on um, who has not worked out well. And, and yep. looking back at it, I could say that I probably projected too much of his shot improving. Um, and also he was a really good finisher, but he wasn't like, wasn't the quickest at getting to the rim. So it wasn't always the best looks. And I think that I, um, I like the finishing, but I didn't take into account that it wasn't always the best looks that he got. And it might be harder to finish at that same level. Um, so I, I think that's another one I'd bring up. Yeah. Clover was an interesting one for sure. Um, especially with his, his success, the, the, the little man role in the NBA now kind of moving more off ball, uh, is very interesting. It's very intriguing to me. It's an interesting thing to watch. You gotta be a shooter. And you got to be able to hold your own defensively. That's been fun. And it's I tough wanna... because it's tough okay. because like with 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 LeBron or Giannis or Luca, like you have so many guys who want the ball in their hands. Also, it's like you said, an off ball role. But if you're in an off ball role, like you're not the one who's generating good looks for your team, and then you're not defending that well either. So it's tough to find your way onto the floor. Um, you you need to be like some crazy shot maker or the one who has the ball in your hands most of the time. And and yeah, like when when people like Jokic or LeBron or these big guys who handle the ball are handling the ball and creating offense, it yeah. makes less use for you on offense. Yep. Where were you at on Jabari Smith? Because that lost me a lot of money. I put it on Jabari going number one. Obviously, the answer is easy, Paolo, number one now. But I mean, yeah, I, that... I had Jabari fourth in that class. Okay, um, so I, you're a smart I like, man. I like Chet and I like Jaden Ivey and obviously Paolo over, over Jabari. Um, obviously, a really, really good shooter. I think good perimeter defender as well. And having that stuff at his size is really, really intriguing. Yeah. I just, um, and I, I think he's actually had a pretty impressive um, rookie season. I think he got off to a slow start, but he has been better recently. Um, but yeah, I just, I just liked what the other people brought to the table more than what he did. Um, just that, but he, he was still a really good prospect. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I always liked this game. Zach, I appreciate you coming on, man. This was great. Uh, I could have talked even more. I mean, content was awesome. Appreciate you coming on. We can find you at Cerebro Sports. Uh, your writings can be found there. You know, your Twitter is active. Everyone follow him. What What is that at? Uh, Zach Milner 13. So Z-A-C-H-M-I-L-N-E-R-1-3. So go follow him. He's he's checking in on Jet. So you guys would appreciate that. Um, Zach, this was great, man. We'll have to have you on again. Maybe evaluate. I would love to evaluate Kobe again, just like this, because I think he, I think he's getting there, man. I love, I just, I love the talent on Michigan right now. So, but this was awesome, and uh, yeah, we'll have to do it again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.